Hi, this is Mark Mohammedpour, and welcome to Chasing the Sun, the show designed for those of you out there who are looking to incorporate health and wellness so you can reduce stress, grow in your career, and thrive. You can reach me at markmo, M-A-R-K-M-O-H on Instagram or Twitter. Email me at mark at chasingthesunpdx.com or find my website at chasingthesunpdx.com. This is the second of our two-part series with Tracy Lamb and Aaron Mers, just incredible professional communicators who are living their best life. And we talk about a, a number of important, important topics for our listeners out there. We talk about management. We talk about the role of diversity and inclusion. We talk about incorporating exercise into our workday. And it was just all in all a great chat. So this is the second part of our, our two-part discussion. Thank you, Tracy and Aaron, for your time. And thank you out there for listening. Let's talk about management. Management is something that I, I try to harp on quite a bit with my clients and, and the, the stuff that I, I teach through Chasing the Sun. It's, uh, it's a challenging transition from tactician to manager to delegator. And talk about over your, your time how you have been able to stay sane and grow and set your people up to succeed while going through that. It's a personal and professional transition. I've, I've gone through it. It's mm-hmm. tough. Mm-hmm. What, yeah. what, and what, what advice do you have for people who are, are moving from or aspiring to, to get to that point where they're managing people? I had a a nice on-ramp, I'd call it. When I took my role at PSU, I was managing anywhere from 10 to 15 student employees. And that's very different from managing a professional full-time staff. But it was a great test of my management ability and my leadership quality. I think I learned a lot about myself. Uh, managing student employees and a big that's a fairly big team there's a lot of moving parts there um, and understanding they're often very reliable uh, and times maybe not as much um, and they have their priority as school right and so managing students was a very interesting learning experience for me and then when I took this role at the School of Business I actually had the great fortune of hiring my own team which I think some people can go their entire career and never get that opportunity uh, the entire marketing communications team of three full-time people turned over basically at the same time and so that was that alone created an immense challenge for me um, because I stepped into a leadership role that um, was it was experiencing a little bit of turbulence, let's put it that way. And so not only did I have to adapt to this new role, I had a team that was in transition. And so I was more or less at any given point working two or three people's jobs in addition to my new job just to keep the ship afloat. And I wouldn't trade it. It was an amazing experience. I learned a lot about myself and actually what well-being looks like in terms of um, working too much and for what cost. Um, and I pushed myself, I think, to the limits that I have. But now I've hired this great team, a highly productive, efficient, effective team that um, I'm really proud of. Yeah. And it was a bit of a journey to get there. But um, I think being a manager, I, in a, 
you know, a leader, it's so uh, fluid and it changes all the time and depending on the people that you're managing and leading and you have to kind of adapt your style to meet them. Or it's kind of a give and take. Um, and so it was an interesting transition and it is difficult because yeah. not only are you trying to get the work done, right? Yeah. And and I'm still very, there are some days where I'm extremely tactical, probably more days than I should be. Yeah. That's just the nature of the yeah. place I work yeah. and and the team I'm on. But that's that's okay because I'm very much we do what we have to do to get the job done. Um, but and I like those days. It keeps it interesting and different, and I get my hands dirty. Um, but then, um, you know, the other days of maybe being more strategic and working with our leadership team and um, managing the team. It's yeah. Yeah. It varies. Yeah, Tracy, your your thoughts. I'd love yeah, to hear. I just want to add to what Aaron has said. So, in addition to um, my day job, I my friend and I co-founded an education foundation called API Forward, and it is about developing leaders in the Asian and Pacific Islander community. And um, through that, we have a student leadership program, and we bring on we do conferences and workshops and whatnot. And um, you know, when we talk about leaders and managers, you know, we talk about it doesn't necessarily have to come with a title, and that you know, we all have to lean into the space and be leaders in whatever aspect you're doing. And one of the important qualities is having emotional intelligence and empathy, um, and being able to create this um, a, a psychological safe zone for your employees or for people, your coworkers that you work with. And, um, and how that is, it creates a more productive environment, um, a safe environment for people to voice their concerns or their ideas um, and making sure that people are inclusive. And so we've been uh, talking a lot about that in, in our organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to, to that end, that those are such great points. I, it is, when you talk about a workplace and a workplace culture, and I, you know, I'm part of the School of Business that's part of PSU, and so PSU has its own culture, the School of Business has its own yeah. culture, and then you kind of drill down dependent on unit and department, and I had this opportunity. We're three professional staff, uh, several student staff, so we're a fairly small team, but I had the opportunity to set the foundation from day one of what, mm-hmm. how do I want people to feel when they come to work? And it's hard. And sometimes I, I make missteps and I screw up and I, you know, but I want to lead with empathy and we're all, we're people first mm-hmm. and you want to create a very healthy work environment because like you said, the results are going to be better. Yeah. If people feel included and feel valued and feel appreciated. And there's research that comes out of the School of Business, um, that (laughs) gratitude, um, you know, gratitude is incredibly um, impactful on Mm well-being. And so um, I try to think, you know, about all the roles that I've had and how did my managers make me feel? Mm -hmm. I've had some really good ones and some really poor ones. And I remind myself of that and try to put the people first and yeah. whatever they need to do and flex their schedules, you know, within reason. Um, and life happens and work is important and we still get the job done, yeah. but not at the expense of health. Yeah. Yeah. I think you both are raising incredible points. Uh, you know, I, I've spent most of my career on the agency side and 
we talking about titles and not necessarily equaling a, a, uh, what a particular title doesn't necessarily equate to leadership. I, I think we see a lot of people, especially on the agency side, who are, are really highly skilled. They do great work. Agencies are concerned they're going to leave to another agency or something like that. So they get promoted as a way to entice them to stay. And I, if somebody gets a promotion, I'm, I, I am a positive person. I'm, I'm not going to ever be bitter. They deserve it. They're going to get promoted. Uh, but I think there is something to say about experience and understanding how to how to have empathy and how to have respect to people with people because there are people who can get promoted very quickly have a fairly senior title for someone with their level of years of experience and not understand how to manage people and then you even get to a point where you're at a position even higher level where you're managing managers and that is a whole other discussion because there is a second level of trust that you're going to need to install and I, I, it's just, it's a really important thing for me that, um, that you're taking, that, that you are, you're learning from your managers and, and, and heading into a situation where, yes, you're going to have your eyes wide open and you're going to do, you know, what the manager wants you to, to do. But obviously I understand that it, um, that they may not have your best intentions at heart. And that's a very difficult thing to admit, but sometimes that happens in business and it's a very frustrating thing to deal with and this is one of the things we're, we're trying to do is be able to help people um, be their own leaders to your point mm -hmm. and 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 lead from within i think that's just it's something that we have to help our students and our new professionals understand uh, yeah and to that end and sometimes you are just sort of thrown in many people are just thrown into management roles yeah. and you don't know you haven't had an opportunity to develop these skills it just sort of happens and you learn as you go which i think in a, in a way is positive you kind of figure it out yeah. as you're living it but at the same time i think a lot of there are very few organizations making some assumptions that really invest in leadership development management development and preparing people before they're actually right. in those roles they say they do but yeah they, it's to you know it's it's a, it's a challenge because you have to you, you can't just say i'm going to throw some money at it and it's going to solve the problem it has to be very prescriptive mm -hmm. to the culture and to the company and understand what that environment is like right and some of it's generational and cultural as well right how yeah. the the manager whoever they are um, the way they were brought up and the way they were taught you know and that's just going to filter yeah. through and um, and sometimes it's going to take this shift in mindset to to change it yeah. Um, and it might take a couple generations, I don't know, to, to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. We talk a lot about culture. I, let's talk about um, related to that and professional development. Let's, let's talk a little bit about our association that we're a part of, PRSA, and how much it's impacted us. This is not an ad for PRSA. I'm not a sponsor, but we're all members. We're all very proud of it. We would not know each other if it was not for PRSA, and I think that's a that's a big deal. And so, I'd love to hear from both of you, Tracy and Aaron, talk about your relationship with them and and how you serve and what advice you might have for for folks who are looking to connect with uh, uh, local community through PRSA or through another membership organization. Because I think there are some people who are going to be listening to this to say maybe PRSA isn't right for me, but or maybe it's not as active in one city, but. The American Marketing Association might be, or um, IABC. IABC, or something like that. Um, what would you What would you recommend uh, for those who are looking to to make connections? 
Teresa, let's start with you. I say do it. <laughs> um, you know, find the group that resonates with you and, and just jump in. Um, like you said, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for PRSA. I think the process, my process of getting accredited in public relations helped build my confidence and my skills as well. And I might not even be here at OHSU if it weren't for PRSA right. in instilling the confidence in me to do it. Yeah. Um, and so um, I owe a lot of gratitude to PRSA as well as um, the members and the friends I've made, you know, you two included. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, I mean, it doesn't have to be PRSA, it could be whatever group that speaks to you, that fits your schedule, yeah. that, you know, that share your values. Um, I think it's so important and, you know, like I've mentioned throughout the years, I've joined other professional organizations like the Asian American Journalists Association um, and, you know, now I'm starting my own nonprofit because I believe so much in the value of community yeah. and just engaging and staying involved. That's kind of part of who I am, you know, and actually the other day my, my husband was just saying like, you know, why don't you just come home and, and relax? I was like, that's not who I am. You know, I'm not a go to work and come home and then that's it kind yeah. of person. Um, I love being part of, of something bigger, yeah. um, of helping a community or just yeah. being part of it. So, yeah. Um, and you play a significant role within PRSA. Talk about your work with diversity and inclusion specifically. Yeah, yeah. so um, I was on the board for three years, and then this year I'm not on the board, but I stayed on to be a member of the Diversity and Inclusion Committee. And, um, you know, it was a, a long time coming for, for this group to come together um, and really enhance PRSA's efforts. Um, and Aaron's on the committee as well and you know we were able to put together a diversity statement for the chapter um, add a, a page on the website to to talk about our values and where we stand on this issue um, and then we recently hosted our, our first DNI event which was wonderful and um, you know had a good turnout yeah. and I think it's it is uh, first of many, hopefully. Absolutely, absolutely. There's a lot of, um, interest is not the right word. There's a lot of uh, enthusiasm and understanding how important it is. And I think everybody's trying their hardest and smartest to figure out how to do this right. And it just it feels like every day we're, we're learning more and more about what that means because no one's gonna have a perfect answer. Everyone has a very different definition as far as what that means. And, but I, I love that we're trying mm -hmm. and that's important we're trying and we're having events and we're trying to bring a, a set of diverse and inclusive um, people and thoughts and perspectives and the more that we can do it the more I, I think at least the perception is that we're trying right and yeah. and to me uh, from my vantage point that that seems like the prevailing message right and it's not a one-size-fits-all yeah. right so you can go to all the workshops in the world and what works for one company is not necessarily going to work no. for you so you just have to really understand the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and how that is going to make a difference in your own organization, and take what you learn from the workshops and make it your own. Um, and so as long as you really, really, really want this, and it's not just a checkbox, mm -hmm. right? Because I've seen a lot of organizations that just 
want to check this off. It's like, yep, we did this and we're good. Yeah. Um, but that's not the case. It's an yeah. ongoing process. And like you said, it's, you know, you have to keep trying and yeah. it is a, a practice and um, you just have to, to keep at it. Absolutely. Aaron, talk about your experience with PRSA. Sure. Well, like I mentioned, I got involved from like day one of moving to Portland and I'm really glad that I did. Um, Volunteered in a variety of capacities and I think kind of the mantra among PRSA members, at least a group close to us, is you, you get out of it what you put into it. And I do believe that it's one thing to join a professional association and if that's just the first step, I think that's great. But just being a member isn't going to give you all of the value that is there for you. And so by volunteering, and I served on the board for one year, um, and I'm on the the DNI committee this year to stay involved, um, it's really... it's really something different when you're engaged in the chapter. You get to meet people on a different level. You get to really contribute to the success of the organization and its members. So that's really special to me. Um, And I, of course, have developed professional and personal relationships through that. And I think what's nice is it stretches you. I think it's very easy to do the day in and day out, the routine, go to work, go home. And we, there's always more to learn. There's always, more ways to grow and if we don't seek out those opportunities we're just limiting ourselves and our potential and organizations like prsa open up those doors for us to just be lifelong learners which is so important especially in a field like marketing communications where it changes so rapidly and if you don't have an opportunity to do something in your current role and i would say pursuing my apr was a great opportunity for me to get a little more, develop those knowledge, skills, and abilities in areas that I wasn't getting in my nine to five. And so um, we have to push ourselves to be able to advance in our profession. You're exactly right. I think uh, both of you talked about how without PRSA, you wouldn't be where you're at today. It's same thing for me. Chasing Ascend literally would not happen without PRSA. Because as I was thinking about when I got my certification to be a personal trainer and certification to be a health coach, I think, what am I going to do with this? And then the, then my relationship with PRSA popped in my head. I said, wait a minute, this is a very stressful profession. I'm a member. There are a lot of people I'm connected to. There are a lot of people that could use my services and, and it helps to fill a gap. But that wouldn't have happened kind of organically without my relationship with PRSA. I think it's helped build and rebuild careers kind of just or organically through the relationships that we have. So again, this is not an ad for PRSA, <laughs> but, but, we, but it's, it's, it's helped to connect mm-hmm. the three of us for yes. sure. Mm-hmm. It's a great example of the benefits yeah. of what an association like PRSA can provide. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. This has been a wonderful conversation, Aaron and Tracy. I've just so appreciated your friendship and your time. What, what else, what have I, what have I missed in the, in the last hour or so? I think, well, one thing Tracy and I share is uh, practicing yoga. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be a, an area that we can both touch on. Yes, please. Like yes. Tracy. Yeah. You start. Um, you start. You brought it up. You start. <gasps> okay. <laughs> um, so I, I guess my forms of fitness and activity, f- four things, trail running, walking, primarily with goose. I bike commute. So I bike every single day to and from work. So I log quite a bit of miles every year doing that and then practicing yoga. And I've been on and off with my practice probably for the last 15 years or so. Um, But I do find that it's, if nothing else, and I think about this 
often actually with exercise is it gets me away from any device. I don't, if I practice at home, sometimes I watch TV, but usually it's just in silence, yeah. in like a quiet room. If I'm doing a class, there's the instructor and there's people, there's no phones, there might be some light music, but it gets me away from screens and media. And so in addition to the physical benefit of yoga and the meditative benefit of yoga, I have found it's such a great escape for me to, yeah, I might think about work, and there are benefits to that. And I think some, we can get very creative and become good problem solvers when we are actually moving and doing activity mm -hmm. different from you know being in the office yep. environment. So I do find that yoga can really help me get centered and think differently, maybe about some, some um, challenges or opportunities that I'm mm -hmm. facing. So I try to be as consistent with it as I can. I certainly see the physical benefits as a runner and just generally for health, um, but also the calming meditative stress relief that I get from it is pretty significant. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love yoga. My uh, forms of exercise, I do run a little bit. Um, I have a treadmill at home. Um, but then I developed plantar fasciitis, and so oh. I had to back off quite a bit. Um, in high school, I played tennis, and so I still try to keep that up. But with my aging bones, sometimes my arm, my, <laughs> I, have a, I have a shoulder thing going on. Anyway, long story. Um, but what has been consistent for me is, is yoga. Oh. And aside from the, the physical benefits that Aaron mentioned, um, a lot for me has been the emotional and mental benefit of helping me stay present. Mm. Um, there's so much going on in this world and you know I'm constantly thinking about my work or my organizations or you know my family, whatever it is, but allows me to be present. Um, and it also allows me to be in tuned with my body to know where does it ache? You know, which day is it that a certain part isn't quite, stretching as far as normal and why is that yeah. you know so i can think about it that in terms like what is causing this pain sure. um, is it stress is it me sitting funny or you know what what is it um and then like i said you know tilly sometimes joins me in in yoga um, and so that's always kind of fun um, teaches me patience yeah. um i feel like after um i went a long stretch without playing tennis I was doing yoga at that time, and then when I went back to playing tennis, I realized that I was more patient with my strokes. Mm -hmm. Instead of you know hitting the ball at a not the optimal height, I'm actually waiting for the ball to come to me, which was this huge mind shift. And I was like, oh my goodness. That's fascinating. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, once I realized that, like, I, it was really amazing when that's, I realized that, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And there's also this whole series thing, feeling of accomplishment in an industry where we cannot like, control everything and sometimes it feels like we can't control anything. If we're able to accomplish something like a 15 or 30 minute yoga yeah. session, that's a, to me a very positive thing. And it seems like, it seems small, but it's not. It's not small to accomplish to your own something that's on your own time that's going to help you and benefit you and then ultimately like your life and your profession and and all of that there's something to be said about that 
Yeah, it's an investment on myself. Yes. You know, if I carve out even 15 minutes, I, I try to carve out at least 30, um, an hour is, is preferred, um, but it's just an investment on myself. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. And there's one uh, article I just read a couple days ago um, in The New Yorker by a mathematician talking about creativity in math. And of course, there's creativity in every profession, yeah. but I don't think a lot of people make that connection. And he brought up, um, it's, a, it's a great story, but that movement and some innovation in math and creative, creative discoveries in math have come from people when they are moving in some way, mm -hmm. whether it's riding their bike or he you know, mentions walking his dog or I think he was a runner or a weightlifter and that just this sense of how to tie it back to our professions yeah. and how we are creative and how we are successful and how just movement of any form, yeah. it doesn't have to be high intensity exercise, but it can make our brain perform in a different way and make us more creative people. Yeah. And even if it's light stretching on the ground, how often do you, you know, lay on your back when you're not on a couch or on a bed or something like that? It's just yeah. doing different things with your body that you normally wouldn't do. And I think it can make our, our brains just behave a little bit differently for the better. Yep. Cannot agree more. I think the next brainstorm, if and whenever host one with a group again, it will we will not be all sitting. We will be standing and <laughs> moving. Right, yeah. And I think you're I think I think you're absolutely right. We spend so much time sitting and that's why I talk a lot about walk and talk meetings, but being very prescriptive with them, what you're gonna cover when and things like that. It's just it's and we it's not something we think about because we're in a culture of sitting and and just being here. So if we can be present, walking around in a room for some time, talking mm -hmm. about a particular topic, I think that's a big win. Enjoy the fresh air. Enjoy the fresh air. Uh, yes. The best. Yes. The fall. It's so beautiful I right know. now. Washington Park, Forest Park. Go. You haven't <laughs> been there yet this season. It is stunning. Get out there. Get out, Get there. out there. You'll see me, hopefully. <laughs> Speaking of which, it's probably time for us to head out there. Aaron, Tracy, thank you so much for your time. It's just been a wonderful session. We've been chatting for almost an hour. It's felt like a minute. <laughs> really appreciate it. Thank you for this opportunity, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Thank you so much, Aaron and Tracy, for your time. I thought that was a, a wonderful conversation around a number of important topics to ultimately live your best life. If you want to learn more about Chasing the Sun and my group coaching services, my one-on-one -on -one coaching, my workshops, I am here to help you incorporate health and wellness so you can reduce stress, grow in your career, and thrive. Reach me on Instagram or Twitter at MarkMo, M-A-R-K-M-O-H. Find my website at ChasingTheSunPDX.com. Email me at Mark, M-A-R-K, at ChasingTheSunPDX.com. I am here to help everybody live their best life. And I am really excited for some things coming up. Stay tuned for more details. And I'm here for you. So look forward to hearing from you. Have a wonderful day. Have a great holiday season. And we'll chat soon. That's all for now.